Daniel saw that storm That was you You got the mountain of Daniel saw the storm that came up Rolling into Babylon And Daniel saw the storm That was you You got the mountain coming down to redeem us This is Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter, just as it sounds. Pyromaniac Mo, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. The regular crew can be followed on Twitter. That's Pyromaniac, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one, A-C. And you have to be in a good mood, because how can you not be with that intro music from the outstanding Golden Gate Quartet. The song is a traditional gospel. Daniel saw the stone. Of course, I know the song from the fish cover, which I'm a big fish fan. I did a little research. The Golden Gate Quartet formed in 1931. They performed for over 60 years, but surely time marches on. Members passed on, retired, or passed down the tradition, and the group continues to this day. Stay tuned. At the end of the pod, you can hear the whole song, and why not? It puts me in a good mood. It's a mover and a shaker. Again, Golden Gate Quartet. Daniel saw the stone. Hey, stop on by to pyromaniac.com. Check out our draft kit. Volume 2 is out and updated and ready to go whenever you pick up the kit. You will automatically get sent the latest and greatest version. 20 bones for you. As you know, training camps roll on. Preseason gets underway. Rankings keep changing as new guys come into camp, guys get hurt, and Pyro has your back. Buy it now, you get all the updates as we roll out. Tis a fantasy weapon of mass destruction. On today's show, episode 65, he is back. Our favorite, NFL scout Dave T. Thomas is here for your phonic pleasure. Today we are talking rookie-wide receivers, plus we check in on a few of the youngsters that have been around a year or two to see if they are going to live up to the hype, some of them, to see if they are going to bounce back. Now, Dave T gives us his top picks at the end of the show. I kind of organize them for you. Plus, he does Sleeper Central. Now, we basically go through the first four rounds of wide receivers, but he is just pulling out names left and right. As I said, I Picked up a couple of names from guys that have been around just to see what he thinks of them. Looked at some interesting receiving cores this year just to see what he's thinking. So it goes well beyond the first four rounds of this year's draft for wide receivers. I am telling you, those of you in Dynasty Leagues, get your pen and paper ready. 
The bulk of the show, the, certainly the info is there for redraft, but man, does he go deep. So for you Dynasty fans, this is a treat. All right, guys, without further ado, time for school with our favorite, Dave T. Thomas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are back with the man, the myth, the legend, Dave T. Thomas. He has been providing NFL scouting reports since the age of 14, more than 50 years. He is the publisher of the NFL Draft Report, and you can also hear him on the Scouts Honor Podcast with Paul Crane back again today to talk rookie wide receivers and spilling over to other wide receivers. Dave T., how are you, sir? Pretty good. We're going to be talking about the reality of the position to help all you fans out there with the fantasy of your team. Exactly right. Now, before we jump in, just because you are a, a font of knowledge, one of my buddies at Pyro, Mr. D. Rex himself, is a big Jerry Rice fan. I'm just curious, you know, the GOAT, greatest of all time, one of the best wide receivers we've ever seen. Uh, I've seen him play live. I'm, I'm, I know you have. What was your impressions when you saw him in college? Did oh, you know? Did college. you know he was well, going to be the greatest? Well, I love the whole program down there. I mean, Willie Totten, at quarterback, I mean, that was one rooting to an offense. Uh, you look at what they did down there. As a matter of fact, Jerry played for me in two bowl games. I took him to the Hula Bowl and uh, the East-West game. This was a talented ball player. And, you know, when you look at the skill positions, it doesn't matter what class that you played in. It doesn't matter what division you played in. It doesn't matter the competition that you played in. You could see the speed. You could see the hands. You could see the route running ability. Whether it's a 160-pound defensive back covering him or a 215-pounder, it all comes down to the route running ability, the burst off the ball, the extension, the timing of going up for the ball during jump ball situations. That counts more to me than anything. Uh, you know, even at the combines, Mo, you see a lot of people put, oh, wow, that kid ran a 4-3. Take Tavon Austin, for example. Look at what he ran at the combines, and then look how slow he appeared when he was with the Rams. I've seen kids run 4-3. You throw the equipment on, they're running 4-7. I've seen kids run 4-6. You throw the equipment on, they run 4-6-2. Well, who would I much rather prefer? I want the guy that carries his equipment well on the football field. Now, maybe you just answered it, but what makes a successful NFL wide receiver? What specific skill sets do you value when scouting talent? Well, unless you got hands, your name is Venus de Milo. So obviously I start out with hands. The next thing I look for is the burst. I want to see that sudden burst off the line because I want a guy that's able to get a clean release, whether he's a big receiver or a small receiver, getting into your route's progression is extremely important. I want to see the sloppiness or the crispness of the way that he runs the routes itself. I want to see how he comes back for the ball when the quarterback has issue, how he extends for the ball. Ideally, you want your wide receiver to catch the ball in stride. That way, it, there's not much stop and go action but I do love the loose hips on my wide receivers why because after they catch the ball very important to me is the rack in order to get the rack you got to be strong in order to get the rack you got to have those juking moves those fakes uh, the head fakes out there to take the defensive back out of his cleats well you seemed to have named a lot of things I'm going to ask about that a lot of scouts seem to be drawing their attention to. You know, a few years ago, it was all about those big, tall, wide receivers that you could throw the jump balls to. Now it seems there's more of an emphasis on the ability to create space. Who comes to mind in this year's rookies for always being open? 
Well, it's not the matter of the rookies. It's the matter of the culture of the NFL itself. If we go back a whole bunch of years ago towards the Jerry Rice era, that was a vertical passing game. Everybody went for the long ball back then. So what did you want? You wanted those sleek, speedy, wide receivers. Then all of a sudden, the ground game became vogue again. So when the ground game became vogue, you needed those big, physical, tight end type of receivers when you got inside the red zone. So what happened then? You saw the cornerbacks that were normally 5'10", 180 pounds. All of a sudden, everybody started looking for the six foot two, 215-pound guys. So when the defense adjusted to the offense, the offense now has to go back and adjust again. If you look around the NFL for the last couple of years, most of the scoring has been predicated by three points. Why? Because a lot of teams stall when they get inside the red zone. Why? Because they went away from the running game itself. That's when the slot receivers come into play. So now you've got your slot receivers that are able to move the chains inside there. Me, I look at the wide receivers that are coming out in this year's draft. It seems that we were going back more towards the Jerry Rice type of wide receivers, the James Lofton types. I mean, you look at D.J. Moore with Carolina. Look at Ridley, who I think is the best route runner of everybody in a bunch. However, if I'm looking for that big physical SOB, Cortland Sutton over at Denver is a quality wide receiver. Now, you go and look at the draft itself, Mo. There were only two wide receivers in round one. You go back several years ago, man, you, you would find them in a, a, by the dozen. So you're looking at where teams right now are looking a little bit more towards the running back, a little bit more towards the tight end because they're going with the philosophy. You only have to move the chain 10 times to put six points up on the board rather than risk that big INT by going long. Well, as I reminded folks at the, the intro of the show, if you are into Dave T's opinion, check out our last episode, episode 64 for rookie running backs, episode 65, the one we're doing today. We're talking rookie wide receiver. So Dave, I'm going to kind of go through how they were picked. Just like last time, we're going to stick to the first basically four rounds. We're going to you know extend the branches a little bit beyond that. So I'm going to set them up for you, kind of give you the guy, where he's from, where he went, maybe a couple numbers, his height. And then basically, who's on the depth chart for each team and how you see them fitting in? Sound good? Well, yeah, but then we got to get to my little point of the game where I make most of my money, and that's called Sleeper Central. All right. Hey, uh, fantasy fans are all about sleepers, uh, who they can pick that no one else has heard of, who's going to be the best return on investment, who can I get later in the draft that's going to make a splash. So well, I, am I, got, I got two for people that went in day three that they're going to be a bit surprised, but uh, Baltimore Raven fans, sit tight, man, because I got a sleeper that is a keeper. All right. Well, we're going to get to those and more. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Might as well start with more, right? If we're going to go and do more work, <laughs> we might as well start with DJ. <laughs> that is a perfect segue. Going to He was the first wide receiver taken, goes to the Panthers, 210, six foot. Now, they've got a lot of guys there. Curtis Samuel had a lost rookie season last year due to injury. They've, of course, got Funchess, who I've never been a fan of, but he is wide receiver number one. Moore is already slated for number two. I mentioned Samuel. They've also got old man Torrey Smith, Jarius Wright. What do you think of number one wide receiver, DJ Moore? 
Oh, definitely. This is a guy that I think you're going to see less and less happening with Funches on the outside. I think you're going to see Funches a lot more in motion, a lot more playing when they go to a double tight end formation. The big thing over there is when you got a quarterback that's as tall as Cam Newton is, you want those big receivers. But the whole thing is, outside of DJ Moore, they can't stretch the field. You look at Samuel, that's a physical guy when he is healthy and out there on the football field. But the big thing for them right now is I don't think Torrey Smith has much left in the tank. Yeah. You look at what they have behind him, though. He'll probably end up winning the number four job because really outside of Samuel Funches and more, there's nothing else really on the roster. You got your Miles Jones that looked good at minicamp. Jarius Wright, the reject from Minnesota. But yep. I think Torrey will beat them out. But Torrey is also the type of person you've got to look at when you come down to, do I want to pay the veteran that money or do I want to go and look at the waiver wires? One kid to watch out, though, over there, more so because of his returnability, Bug Howard. I think Bug Howard, his ability on special teams might cause some problems with Torrey. And you got to look at one thing, too. A couple of teams in recent years over here said to Torrey, one and done, send you on your way. Yeah, uh, he's been around a long, long time, as are a couple of guys that uh, Calvin Ridley is going to be joining. Of course, from Alabama, 6'1", 190, goes to the Falcons. They've got Julio. They've got Sanu. They've got Justin Hardy. Ridley's probably going to be their number three back. Now, what do you, or their number three wide receiver. What do you think of Calvin Ridley? Well, I tell you one thing, they avoided a major problem there with the Julio Jones contract situation because, uh, you know, if I was Calvin Ridley, I would have been cheering for Julio Jones to sit out at least into the beginning of the season. I think what we're seeing over here is it's going to be the passing of the torch. Maybe not this year, but next year. Uh, Sanu will probably be more so of a downfield blocker type or a safety valve over the middle, but... I see on the edges, man, you got to go with Julio on one side and Calvin on the other side as your wideouts. Uh, they got a good backup, too, and Justin Hardy said they're coming into this thing with a good four. But one kid to watch out for, a college free agent that they got in camp, and that kid's name is Dante uh, Dantes Berg. Still, I go back to the situation when you're coming down to that number four, number five spot on your team. Look for guys that could handle return abilities, especially if you're playing fantasy football and you're coming up near the end of the draft. You're going to get points on your special teams, but also understand one thing. Look at Julio Jones last year. He played on Sunday, and then Monday through Saturday, he sat on the trainers table. This is not going away, folks. This is going to be a thing that's going to carry over throughout his career. Hmm. Well, I got a lot of him in Best Buy. Uh, Julio going in the second round right now in Best Buy could be a deal. Now, before I leave you with Calvin Ridley, did I hear you correctly? You think he's the best route runner of this year's class? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, you, you know, you look at what went on. I think quite a few teams over there that had wide receiver issues that went the veteran route over here are going to regret that they didn't take him. 18, that is a tremendous value for Calvin Ridley. I had him as one of my top five, uh, 10 players. You got to go back and look at the situation down in Alabama. They really haven't had that rifle arm quarterback down there. Okay, the kid stepped in during the bowl game, you know, the kid with the uh, eye chart name, but... Uh, Outside of that, Calvin has basically had to be out there serving as a crackback blocker, uh, coming back on his routes uh, when the quarterback has a broken play. This is what I like at his ball player, his alertness downfield and his ability to move the chains. All right, guys, that was uh, the two wide receivers taken in round one. Before we get to round two, I'm going to try to 
pay to keep the lights on. So we're going to pause real quick and be right back with Dave T. Thomas. Hey, thanks for staying with us. We are here with Dave T. Thomas, the Pyro Life Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 65. We're talking rookie wide receivers. We have moved to the second round, third wide receiver taken, uh, I do believe, Cortland Sutton. He goes to the Broncos. Now, the Broncos, they actually took another wide receiver just two rounds later. So they got Cortland Sutton in the second. So I'm going to kind of lump these together. Cortland Sutton taken in the second. They got Deshaun Hamilton taken in the fourth. Now they've got, of course, Demarius Thomas, free agent 2020. They've got Emmanuel Sanders, free agent 2020. How do you see Sutton and Hamilton fitting into the Broncos? I don't want to be a low-flying pigeon over that stadium. You look at uh, Kirk Cousins coming in at quarterback, and he loves to open up the aerial game. And don't discount the, their street free agent, too, Jordan Miller Leslie. This is a guy that probably will end up with the number five spot. In Sutton right now, hey, listen, folks, if you're an old-timer like me, you might remember a Brinks robbery a few years ago. You might remember a, a thief by the last name of Sutton called Willie Sutton. Well, let's <laughs> tell you this, folks. The Denver Broncos stole the best wide receiver in this draft, not named Calvin Ridley. You know, people say, well, you know, he's a big guy. He runs 4-6. He's a possession receiver. I say cock a bull to that. I mean, you look at what he did out there at SMU. This is a guy that along with Demarius Thomas, you're going to have basketball-type wide receivers. Philadelphia Eagle fans remember fondly Harold Carmichael. That's what you're going to get from a Thomas Sutland thing. Now, a Sutton thing, you also turn around and have a quality receiver in Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, my God. I mean, you got enough weapons there for the $85 million man, I think. They got a nice little free agent that they picked up off the street, too, the kid out of Oklahoma that's been bouncing around a bit, Kenny Bell. So I think you're going to see them keeping six wide receivers this year. Uh, Corey Brown came through for them during minicamp. He looked fantastic during minicamp. It's going to be interesting. It could be a point, too, that after the season, they wave goodbye to Emmanuel Sanders in a cap issue. Do you think Emmanuel Sanders would be the first one to go out of the two big ones there in Denver? Yeah, I think that Thomas is the type of guy that you built your uh, your offense around as, as far as your aerial game goes. Sanders might have better numbers, but I look at the better athlete. I look at the more durable type. And even though he's coming up in 2020, I got to look at a guy over here that if he does step out on the market in 2020, he's going to be getting a lot of phone calls. All right, well, let's move on to uh, a guy that's been getting a lot of press lately. Dante Pettis from Washington goes to a very exciting 49ers team. 6'1", 195 pounds. Now, they've got Garcon. They've got Goodwin. Uh, Trent Taylor, I believe, was slated to be in there, but, of course, he went to the pup list. So it could be prime time for the Jimmy G offense, and like I said, lots of press for Pettis. What do you think of this kid and how he's going to fit in? John Ross Jr., I think that as a return man, fine. As a receiver, I just think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for him. And I'm telling people right now, as much as you might like Jimmy G, Pierre Garcon, and all of that, buyer beware when you're starting to hit the 49ers. I think that the they teased us at the end of the season last year. I really? don't think that San Francisco is the type of team that even will be 500 this season. I think in Dante Pettis is you're better off keeping him on return duties right now. If he comes through on anything, he's more of a third receiver as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. Okay, so Jimmy G, you didn't uh, believe uh, we, we were sold a, a bill of goods there? 
I just think that right now he's still going to need to acclimate with that offense. My biggest concern is protecting him. You know, you got to keep your quarterback standing up, and I don't think that offensive line is mm-hmm. capable enough to do that right now. All right. Well, uh, let's keep it on the West Coast. Christian Kirk going to Arizona, my old neck of the woods, Arizona Cardinals. 5'11", a little shorter from Texas A&M, 200 pounds. Now, we know we've got the aged one, Larry Fitzgerald. They've got Bryce Butler. They also have J.J. Nelson waiting in the wings. I believe Kirk's kind of slated to be the third wide receiver right now. What do you think of Christian Kirk? Captain Kirk, that's the guy that's going to be exciting here in Glendale. I am waiting to see that man out there on the football field. He's a squirt. I love the way he runs. He he has that serpentine ability to him. He, he He's sort of like uh, that old uh, movie with, uh, oh, geez, what's his name? Uh, Catch Me If You Can was the movie. Well, that should be oh. Christian Kirk's uh, uh, motto this year. And don't discount Chad Williams, the guy they took in the third round last year. You know, he was banged up a bit, but. If he's healthy this year, they're going to have three receivers. But then after that, if any of those three go down, you might as well go to your ground game. I'm sure my mic is picking up everything so you can hear me clacking away as you are uh, <laughs> dropping dropping good nuggets for me to digest later. So I'm I, I'd like to see now. if he could uh, reclaim his college pedigree. But Christian Kirk or Chad Williams? Greg Little. They picked him up recently, and this is a kid that's got a lot to prove out there. Uh, I see them keeping at least four wide receivers. I think it will probably come down to the situation of J.J. Nelson, Greg Little, Bryce Butler uh, fighting for that number four job, or if they do go number five, you know, keep two with a three and get the other guy out of town. All right. So uh, Christian Kirk, does he make your top five this year for rookie wide receivers? Uh, yeah, I would, as a rookie wide receiver, as a rookie, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about a, guy, a team, I should say, the Bears, that a lot of people are excited about? We saw the turnaround happen for the Rams. Folks are talking that it might uh, do this. They got Nagy now. Lots of exciting things to talk about in Chicago. Anthony Miller from Memphis, five, also 5'11", 190 pounds. Now, we know they've got Allen Robinson from Jacksonville. they got Taylor Gabriel, a former Falcon, and then Miller. Of course, there's Josh Bellamy, Benny Fowler, Kevin White waiting in the wings. What do you think, Anthony Miller? I think Allen Robinson was a high-price risk signing. Yeah. I'm not exactly uh, sure this kid is going to be fully healthy by the time the season begins, and if so, he looks like Breakdown Palace. Kevin White, he's on his last chance saloon over there. This guy spent more time in the trainer's office. He knows all the nurses on a first-name basis. <laughs> to me, Anthony Miller could be their Lynn Swan. That's how good this kid is. Uh, this is a kid that could not only stretch the field, but he's a home-run threat. Uh, honestly, getting this guy in the second round, him and Cortland Sutton were great steals. I would have taken both of those guys over more. That's how high I am on those two. Really? Well, I'd love to get your top five as we get towards the end. I'm jotting some contenders down here as we go. Uh, another one from the well, second. Well, I would tell you point blank, my number one is Anthony Miller. My number two is Cortland Sutton. Oh, number one is Miller. Two oh, my is... God. I love, I love Miller. I've been on Miller for years. My okay. third best wide receiver on the board is uh, Ridley, only because Ridley is going to have to adjust to the system over there. Now, year two, Ridley's the best at a bunch. But I think right now you're going to see Cortland Sutton, you're going to see Christian Kirk, you're going to see Anthony Miller be more so relied upon 
to contribute immediately. While Calvin is going to be the number two option as long as Julio Jones is on the football field. I want to know that anyone in my dynasty league or any of the leagues that I'm playing in this year, you owe me a beer for this information being shared with you right now because you're 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 given to my draft strategy, Dave. You are my draft strategy, Dave. Well, if I, I'm your draft strategy, I tell you one thing: there's a great risk and there's a horrible. Uh, uh, there's a great risk and a tremendous reward, and that's when we go into the fourth round with Antonio Callaway. Ooh, all right. Well, we will get there. Uh, I'm jotting his name down for when we get there. But first, a few other second rounders. A lot to go in the second round. James Washington goes to the Steelers. They've got Antonio. They've got Juju. Uh, James Washington slated for wide receiver number three. Now they've got old man Darius Hayward Bay uh, very fast. He was an old Oakland guy when they still liked the speed. Eli Rogers, uh, Steelers just re-signed him, I believe. What do you think of James Washington with Pittsburgh? Well, I, I'm putting even more emphasis on James Washington right now till we get the MRI back on Antonio Brown. Yeah. They sent him back to Pittsburgh yesterday with an injury, and they haven't disclosed what that injury is yet. Was it not I day, mean, it, day to day, right? Uh, well, when they say day to day, that means the MRI results aren't back yet. Next okay. thing you know, boom, you got something in your hand. And if you look at what's going on in the first few days of training camp right now, it's like, do you have a doctor in the house? I mean, that's probably more important than having a football player on the field is who is in your training room. Yeah. If they lose Antonio Brown, here's the advantage and disadvantage. Losing Antonio Brown will instantly thrust James Washington and JoJo Smith-Schuster into the top rung. Smith-Schuster will get a lot of calls then. If Antonio Brown is healthy, I say wait a few weeks to get in on Juju if you're a fantasy guy. For the simple situation is when you got Antonio Brown on the football field, he's an angry young man. He's the type of guy, he doesn't want anybody else on the team touching the ball than him. <laughs> Right. So, you know, while he's playing his cannibal yum-yum eat him up, the other two guys are going to have to adjust. Now, I'd love the James Washington pickup because of their third-round pickup. When Ben ends up going to the funny farm inside, uh, uh, riding away on his motorcycle, you're going to have Mason Rudolph step in at quarterback. Here he is. He's got four years of a relationship with James Washington already. A quarterback and a wide receiver, the sink that you got between those two, that's, that's probably a, a, as close of a bond as you would have with your wife. So when those two step in in a couple of years, they were already ready to go. They were already ready to step into the old pro ranks. Uh, I think Antonio Brown is at a point right now where he's reached the Terrell Owens stage. What about me? What about me? Uh, he's going to be more of a problem in the locker room than on the football field. On the football field, you can't fault the guy. How well, Darius Bay, Haywood Bay has even made it into the NFL over these years, he's probably got a lot of dirty pictures on general managers. Now, wasn't he one of uh, Al Davis's last picks? If I if uh, memory yeah, serves? Unfortunately, unfortunately he was. And, uh, you know, he was the sixth overall pick in the draft. But, you know, like Peggy Lee says, is that all there is? Is that all there yeah. is? Lot speed, but not much else. Uh, uh, you know, you got Eli Rogers there, but also look yep. at the, they got a couple of reclamation projects. With the kid I'm looking to see finally, finally get his act together is Justin Hunter. If he does, Eli hmm. Rogers is in trouble. Ooh, good one. All right, and they got a heck of a passing pass protection with their offensive line. 
Oh, definitely. I think they have, well, you know, right now, four-fifths of their offensive line is uh, the best out there. The injury to Raymond Foster may cost them in the long run. Let's move over to the Jags. Uh, they've got DJ Shark from LSU. This was probably one of the biggest, tallest wide receivers taken, 6'4", 198. Now, the Jags, they vacated 141 targets from last season to this season. Lots of new faces. Of course, you got Marquise Lee, one of the lone remainders. Uh, you got Moncrief coming in. They got D.D. Westbrook. They got uh, Cole. How do you think Shark fits in with all these receivers? Well, I'm hoping that he ends up, uh, you know, showing his wares out there more so as a slot guy. Uh, the sleeper over there is going to be Keelan Cole because look at Marquise's Lee's uh, injury factor. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, too, he needs to really show why it was justified taking him last year. You know, he would have been a first-round draft pick last year if it wasn't for his off-field issues. Picking up Dante Moncrief on a one-year deal over there, okay, they did pay him a big bucks on that deal, but... He's in a prove me state himself. I think Moncrief is probably going to be their key right now, but then you also have an average quarterback. If you were to take any of those wide receivers, who do you think might have the best year? Moncrief. Moncrief. All right. Oh, man, the, the kid's hungry, man. You coming down from Chicago where everything was a mess up there. Now, all of a sudden, he's in an organization that does follow the game plan. It, it, that's what he wants. you got to understand one thing with Moncrief. Moncrief, to me, is a wide-receiving scientist. He likes knowing what the game plan is, what route you want me to run. I'm going to run him, coach. But if all of a sudden you got broken plays on three out of your four downs, uh, that causes problems for yeah. you wide receivers on the football field. Hey. Keelan Cole, I think, will probably end up being a number two wide receiver before long. I look at Marquis Lee with those hammies, you know, unless he's in a delicatessen, that's going to concern me. But they got six wide receivers over there that I think they're going to keep. Hey, I have had Moncrief belief since he was uh, catching all those touchdowns with Andrew Luck, and then, of course, he got injured, and hasn't really shown like he did, but I'm with you. I've always liked Moncrief. He, he, he's a stride-in receiver, and that's the thing that Bortles does. Bortles has a good ability in the intermediate and short area of hitting his receivers in stride, and then letting them go out there and being creative with the ball in their hands. That's what Moncrief brings to the table. Well, best ballers, he's going in the 17th round right now, so pretty good deal. Oh. Keelan Cole's going in the 15th, Westbrook 14th, and Lee in the 11th. So out of those four, he's going to the last pick right now. Oh, my God, man. We might as well turn that over. Or either that or you're Superman in a bizarro world. <laughs> well, uh, I kind of do live in bizarro world. Uh, I'm far from Superman, though. <laughs> We're going to pause one more time before we jump into the third and fourth round, which is all we'll be covering today, and a few of uh, some Sleeper Central from Dave T and a few other guys to talk about. Stay with us on the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter, Pyromaniac Mo. And of course, I am here with Dave T. Thomas, super scout and legend in the NFL. Uh, Dave, now I know I know I've asked you this before, but I've had some people contact me who want to follow you on Twitter. What do you say to that? Uh, what's Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, we do, we do have something up on uh, Facebook uh, under the NFL Draft Report. But the best way to follow me is with Paul Crane's podcast. Uh, Paul will let people know when I start putting stuff out on the internet, but. 
you know me, Mo Man. My, my whole thing is just talking to the people. I got nothing to sell you guys. I want you guys to enjoy yourselves out there. I want you guys to read things for free. Why pay fifty nine ninety five for this thing? Or oh my God, my monthly bill is due and I got to play fantasy football. What am I going to do? While I talk about reality, I'll let you guys know what's going on in the fantasy world and guys that you should pick up. And right now we're going to gallop into one of the guys that I think you really should be picking up if he's still on the board in the mid rounds. A galloping cowboy indeed. Now they've got Terrence Williams. They've got Alan Hearns from the, the Jaguars. Colby Easley is, of course, kicking around one of your uh, favorite guys, Tavon Austin. They got Deontay Thompson. So lots of names, but nobody really standing out. Where do you see Michael Gallup fitting in here? He's going to start. He's going to yeah. make people forget Des Bryant. Uh, this guy is a great route runner, good physical type of receiver, outstanding second-level crack blocker. You know, I look at Tavon Austin probably succeeding in that program because with him and Cole Beasley playing in the slot, they got two compliments. They got one guy if you need to go underneath. You got the other guy if you wanted to play out on the edge or even take the ball on reverses in Austin. Uh, Hearns, same thing too. I'm looking at Hearns and I'm looking at damaged goods over here. You know, if he was worth it, why did Jacksonville let him go? You know, I look at Tom Coughlin and I look at Tom Coughlin as one of the smartest men out there as far as organizational skills go. He's not going to let Robinson and Hearns go unless he's sitting there looking at the doctor bills. Hmm. And speaking of letting them go, do you think they're going to do okay with the guys that we were just talking about? I know you said you liked. No, I'm not a Deontay Thompson fan. I think Terrence Williams, it's going to be like a box of Forrest Gump chocolates. One kid that I'm interested to see, he was banged up last year, uh, got a lot of play up at Ohio State his final year, but he should have stayed in school. But I'm curious to see how far uh, Noah Brown progresses this training camp. Well, a guy I'm into, and hopefully all my fantasy brethren that are in my leagues are closing their ears, but uh, Traquan Smith, Central Florida kid, going to the Saints and Drew Brees, and how can that be wrong? They've got Michael Thomas, they've got Ginn, they got Meredith, who uh, is, from all accounts, uh, seems to be pretty healthy. They got Tommy Lee Lewis, but uh, what do you think of Traquan Smith? Well, the whole thing is with uh, Drew Brees is just get me guys that could catch the ball and I'll get the ball to them. Want me to go long? I'll go long. You want me to go short? I'll go short. The Cameron Smith uh, signing, uh, Cameron Emeritus signing was a little puzzling for me because nobody really knows what you're going to get him coming off of the injuries. I mean, even if you go back and look at OTAs and minis, he wasn't ready to rock and roll then. Uh, It's a lot of ducats to put on a guy's shoulders, a guy that might not even be out there during week one. Do you think Smith can beat him out and get a starting job, at least a wide receiver three? Well, it all comes down to who's healthy. I mean, you know, you got Michael Williams. If Williams and Meredith are both healthy, they're going to be their starters. Okay, so, yeah. So, Thompson, Meredith, Gannett. It's a full place to try to break in. But uh, did you like what you saw out of Smith in Central Florida? Oh, yeah. I really like what I saw of him. You look at the couple of guys that they just picked up to uh, add to the thing. 
You got Josh Huff uh, coming over from San Francisco. They picked up last year. Brandon Coleman. Well, you know, Brandon's yeah. got the bad knees. They picked up two guys that know that right now that if they don't make a roster, they're gone. And Michael Floyd and Brandon uh, Tate. And you also have the guy that they brought in from New England and Austin Carr. You got a lot of blue collar tights, but look at the success that New England had with that. You know, Drew Brees doesn't need that old pro wide receiver. And you got to go back and look at the thing. Uh, Brandon Cooks, look at him. They traded him away. New England then turned around and traded him away. So really, who got great value out of that former Saint who's now a Ram? Right. Now, fourth round we are in. First wide receiver taken in the fourth round. I think we're about 11th wide receiver overall, roughly. Uh, Kiki Cutie from Texas Tech, moving over to the Texans. Only 5'10", 180 pounds. Of course, they've got New Hopkins, Will Fuller, Notre Dame man. They've also got Braxton Miller, uh, Bruce Ellington, Sammy Coates. What do you think of Cutie? I think that what you got to look at is the Michael Fuller situation. If Michael Fuller goes down, you're actually bringing in another clone in Cootie. So you, you're doubling up on what you have out there on the football field right now. I call him just in case. Just okay. in case Fuller is hurt, you bring him in. But still, the key over there is Hopkins. The key over there is the Michael Jordan, the quarterbacks, and Deshaun Watson. If Watson is kicking butt the way we figure he's going to kick butt, everything is going to end up going to Hopkins. Everybody else is going to get table scraps. Well, and I love Fuller. Uh, there's no arguing his production when he's on oh, the field. Yeah. Scores well, a lot that, of touchdowns. That's the whole thing is keeping him out there. And if you exactly. even go back at Notre Dame, he's yep. the type of guy that with minor injuries, they linger. I don't yep. like those type of wide receivers. Now, I, I'm not going to complain, but I do have a festering paper cut that's been bugging me for a couple of weeks. But uh, I, I don't know if I'm as tough as some of these NFL guys, Dave. Well, the, the thing, too, is you got to look at how are they going to use Braxton Miller. I mean, Braxton yeah. needs to step up. But okay. you look at Sammy Coates. Sammy Coates, I mean, that's the Venus de Milo. A wide receivers will drop more than they'll catch. They did get a nice little street-free agent, which I'm curious to see how he fits in because he's the same size, same speed as Hopkins, and that's the kid out of Pittsburgh just away. Another name that you brought up earlier that I underlined here, Antonio Callaway going to Cleveland, 5'11", 200 pounds from Florida. You know they've got Gordon, who's MIA at camp. Uh, Callaway, I believe, is slated to start to be behind Gordon. They also have Landry, who's been, by all reports, been doing phenomenal at camp. They've got Corey Coleman, uh, Rashad Higgins, Jeff Janis, Dakota Lewis. I mean, this is a whack-a-mole here. What do you think of the Browns and Antonio Callaway? Prediction by week three, starting style split end for the Cleveland Browns, Antonio Callaway. This is a kid that's been in more trouble than Josh Gordon. So, the, you know, the locker room itself is you're wondering if they're going to have those little straps on uh, their ankle like Paul Manafort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you, you know, the, the, he, this is a guy that should have been the first wide receiver in a draft. Hell, he could have been the first wide receiver in any of the previous drafts. But that off-the-field issues has really put him in an onus over here. He's got to show what he could do off the field. I mean, when you're going to a team that won one game in the last two years, what do you got to lose by taking a guy like that in round four? Sure. Now, what about their rookie from last year, Corey Coleman? Do, do they? Ha I don't know if they have the patience to stick with him. It, it never seemed like they were really all that excited to get him the ball. 
Yeah, but you got to go back and look at one thing on him. It's his poor practice habits. It's his mm-hmm. attitude. You know, this is a kid that thought, okay, I'm coming out of Baylor. Look at that horrible Baylor program inside the locker room itself. They have more criminals than anything down there. I think that what you're going to see is I think if anyone might do a panic attack as far as their receivers go, it will be Cleveland. And you got the albatross still sitting out there in Des Bryant. Ah, yeah. Uh, now, what do you think if – Regardless of what happens with Gordon, do you think Callaway can can even if Gordon's doing great, can Callaway still move into starting position? Oh yeah, I mean, and that tells you point blank that Corey Coleman's out of a job. Okay. I mean, because if everything is right with the world, if I'm going with Gordon Callaway and Landry, it yep. doesn't matter if I got Taylor or Mayfield that quarterback. Okay. What do you think? I, I'm I'm a big Taylor fan. I, I like Tyrod. Do you think he's going to start more than five games? I think that's oh, the yeah. over-under on him. Yeah, I think that right now they know that if he does well, you know, they're giving all that great talk. Oh, Mayfield looks like this. Mayfield looks like that. You talk to the players over there and they said, this kid's got a lot of work to do. Well, uh, hopefully we can get you for some quarterback talk uh, in a few weeks here. A um, couple more here in the fourth. Going to the Ravens, Jaleel Scott, six, okay, six, five. This is the biggest one, 215. Now, they've got Crabtree. They've got John Brown. He's been lighting it up at camp. They got Sneed. You know, they've got Rashad Perriman, Tim White, Chris Moore. Baltimore has the most vacated targets, meaning out of all their targets from last year, out of the guys that are still on the team, there are minus 332 targets. Lots of room to be filled. What do you think of Jaleel Scott and even, even Crabtree for that matter? Well, well, why don't I talk about the guy that I think is going to be the star by the end of the year, and that's pick number 162 in a draft, the 25th pick in the fifth round, and that's Jordan Lastly from UCLA. Mm. He has been dazzling people during minis. He looked great during rookie reviews. Now, the thing is, is that he makes those big catches, but he also makes those big drops. If he could show more consistency leading up to Labor Day, this is a guy that I say to watch out on, and that's one of my sleepers in this draft. And I just fifth rounder, too. You know, look at Indianapolis Colts with Doris Fountain. This is another guy. I think T.Y. Hilton really needs to step up this year. If not, you're going to see Fountain getting a whole lot more action over there if and when Andrew Luck is ready to throw the football right. So your your uh, sleeper central, Jordan Lasley, the Ravens, and uh, Fountain on the Colts. Is that correct? Well, you look at what they brought in, Michael Crabtree, Ho-Hum, John Brown. You're dealing with a guy that Arizona let go due to his sickle cell issues. Willie Sneed, do you think that they would have gone out and signed a broken-down wide receiver named Cameron Meredith if they thought Willie Sneed was anything worth it down at St. Land? Right. Okay, so uh, any other sleepers to add? Fountain. Well, yeah, there's Leslie. a couple out there. You know, you look at the – I love the other uh, Indianapolis Colt receiver, too, out of Clemson, Deion Kane. This is a guy that could play the slot. He could play flanker, and he could also handle return duties. Green Bay's got a couple of day, uh, day yeah. uh, three guys. You know, Jamal Moore, uh, Marquise Valdez-Scantling, and St. Brown from Notre Dame. Let's talk about the Packers. Now, they – wide receivers – they took a trio in the draft. Now, we know they've got Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, lots of people liking him. He's an eighth-rounder and climbing in best ball. Geronimo Allison, who I'm not too sure about. they also got Jimmy Graham, lots of mouths to feed. They've got a lot of rookie backs, uh, running backs to feed as well, three of them, in fact. So lots of excitement here. 
But what do you think about Jamon Moore was taken in the fourth round, Marquez Valdez Scantling in the fifth round, and the eye chart there, as you say, Equinemius St. Brown from Notre Dame in the sixth round, who is indeed, I think, 6'5", one of the biggest. In fact, all the Packers, Moore, 6'3", Valdez Scantling, 6'4", Equinemius St. Brown, uh, 6'5". What do you think of these trio? Jamon Moore, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, that will be the starting unit at wide receiver. Woo. I think Moore is going to step up, and Geronimo Allison is going to lose a lot of snaps because of him. I think the other two will probably make the roster, but uh, while St. Brown has tremendous athletic ability, yeah. you, you wonder if he's got a ticker inside because, you know, he, he reminded me of an old 1980s song when he was playing with Notre Dame last year, going through the motions. Really? That's all he did out there on the football field. Okay, so uh, more. Well, you got to understand, too, is they're looking at Randall Cobb and how much money he's making. If any of these rookies come through, Cobb is going to be the Jordy Nelson of next year's free agent market. Yeah. Brother, could you give me a contract? So you've got it, Devontae Adams, Cobb, and Jamon Moore being the starting three mid midway through the season. Yeah, you know, I look at Moore. He's going to have a great chance to catch the ball. Uh, you know, him and Aaron Rodgers, from what I'm hearing, are working well together. They look well in minicamp, and it's carried over. He stood around with uh, Rodgers to work after minis were all over. with. So he's showing that dedication out there on the football field. And understand one thing. He comes from the state of Missouri. They're try-hard people. All right. Well, we've covered a bunch. Those were all the ones that were taken and then some. And we, we hit a few of your sleeper centrals. Are there any guys you're excited about that we haven't named that are rookies? Yeah, you know, the LSU kid uh, that, the, the Ram, uh, that the Falcons picked up, Russell Cage, this is a guy that could compete for the final roster spot. Uh, the blazing speed of the kid out of Miami, Braxton Berrios, uh, this could make Tom Brady say, hey, let me take notice of this kid in camp. Understand that Julian Edelman will be out. Uh, they just cut uh, Jordan Matthews. I think they made a great pickup, though, and I think the top receiver with the New England Patriots is going to be their recent signee in Eric uh, Decker. Uh, a, a kid that I'd like over at San Fran. I think uh, Richie James from Middle Tennessee's got an excellent opportunity of stepping in. And don't discount Ricky Prohl's younger son over with the Buffalo Bills, Austin Prohl. You got Zay Jones that's out on a suspension over there, and they're trying to change the culture in the locker room. He's a lot like his father. He's the type of guy that you want, you know, on those mid to short range passes. Wow, fire takes here from Dave D. I love it. couple guys I'm curious about. The three top 10 wide receivers from last year, Corey Davis, 1.5 on the Titans. Now, Taewon Taylor, also an interesting cat taken third round that year as well. We know they've got Richard Matthews, uh, Tajay Sharp. Uh, is this the year that Davis could take a leap or even Taewon Taylor? Well, in order to take the leap, he's going to need good hamstrings first. Okay. <laughs> That's the big thing on him. And I always tell people, buyer beware when you're dealing with these players with bad hammies. Hey, I think the best wide receiver in college football right now resides up at Ohio State, and he's never started a game. Why? Because of bad hammies. Mm -hmm. But Johnny Dixon, as far as I'm concerned, is the most electrifying receiver we'll see this year, depending on who's coaching Ohio State yeah. and depending on who's throwing the football. Yeah. What about um, Taewon Taylor? Lots of talk about him. 
Well, Taiwan Telly, you know, he's in a situation too. Come on out there, let's prove it. Same thing with John Ross. I mean, John Ross still is on the schneid as far as getting any receptions out there on the football field. And Ross was the same guy tutored. I told people, buyer beware. It's the same thing what I'm saying with Pettis. I'm seeing a lot of Pettis body movement like a Ross. I'm seeing Pettis as being a type that's going to break down a lot. That's what we saw from Ross last year. So with Ross, a lot of talk about camp. This is Cincinnati with uh, Tyler Boyd stepping it up. Do you like Ross, or is Boyd a better pick for fantasy? Oh, Boyd. I love Boyd. I love that tough son of a gun. I, I remember him over at Pittsburgh, and this was a kid that coaches, give me the ball. I don't care if you want me to run with it. I don't care if you want me to catch with it or if you want me to block downfield. And I think the Detroit Lions got themselves a steal last year in the third round. He had a little bit of a hammy issue, but already he's running ahead of Golden Tate up at Detroit, and that's Kenny Galladay. Folks, you want my super sleeper as far as Veterans go wide receivers, grab yourself a Galladay, and you will have a good day. Yeah, lots of folks liking Galladay. Um, and, and in fact, I want to you touch know, on Galladay. I wouldn't put the Megatron tag on him, but he could be their poor man's Megatron this year. Well, let's jump up to it. I got a wide receiver I want to come back to, but do you think Detroit could have the most prolific wide receivers this season? Well, it all depends on their angry old man, and that's Golden Tate that's been, uh, how could we put a voicing for a new contract? Yeah. I think that they're going to wait and see what they get from Galladay. I mean, Patricia just is in love with Galladay right now. And for him to go ahead and move a guy like Tate down to the second unit before camp even open, that tells you something that Patricia might have seen on film. Hmm. Regarding... Not oh, regarding Galladay. Tate, I mean, okay, it's, it's not so more that Tate is not better than Galladay. It's just that Galladay brings more promise out there on the football field. And when you're staring at a guy that's in his walk year two, you want to see what you might have because if Galladay comes through, they don't have to pay attention to the wide receiver position in the draft next year till later rounds. Hey, that's uh, good news for us Lions fans. Lord knows we've been waiting a long time. One other rookie to talk about from last year. Again, there was three guys taken in the top 10 that didn't really show. Uh, Corey Davis flashed a bit with the Titans. We touched on him, touched on John Ross, who is, in fact, according to Roto Wire, is starting alongside A.G. Green and Tyler Boyd for their top three. We got Mike Williams with the Chargers, 1.7 from last year. They've got Keenan Allen. they got Tyrell Williams and, of course, Travis Benjamin. Now, I believe... Tyrell Williams is slated in front of Mike Williams. Can a Williams usurp a Williams? And what do you think about Mike? It all comes down to his chiropractor. I mean, you know, this is a kid that had a broken back when he was at Clemson. You don't take kid number seven, man, that's got a broken back. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, when I'm invested in my first round draft pick, I want this kid to come out looking like a golden child. And, you yeah. know, he was great when he was healthy at Clemson, but, uh, can he do it there? If he can, you know, with him and Keenan Allen, you know, uh, you're staring at two great wide receivers, but you never know what you're going to get till you see him out there on the football field for a full 16 games. So let me ask you this for the guys that are waiting for these guys to step up, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, John Ross, and I'm going to throw John Ross and I'm going to throw in Tyler Boyd from the previous year. You like Boyd, Boyd the best? Boyd, okay. Boyd. I'm a Boyd boy all the way. I like those tough cookies. You know why, man? Because when Heinz Lord stepped in the league, man, he was actually a guy I would pay to go see a mission for. Boyd is the same way as Heinz Lord. It must have carried over from the Steelers camp to the Panthers. 
Okay. All right. A um, couple more, and then we're going to let you go. An area of the woods you are familiar with. Oakland, Amari Cooper. Big letdown to his fantasy owners last season. Is he a buy-low candidate for fantasy owners this year, or is the writing on the wall? I mean, they've got Derek Carr who's struggling, a new coach. Is this just a combustible situation to stay away from, or can Amari Cooper have a bounce back year? Well, here's what it comes down to, and it's not the matter of if Jordy Nelson has anything left in the tank. It's the silence right now of Martavius Bryant. Is he going to be suspended? Is there an issue on him? If there is, and I'm a defensive coordinator right now, I'm double-tripling up on Cooper and shutting down their entire passing game. You you look at Seth Rogers, you look at Ryan Switzer, you look at Jordy Nelson. These are not guys that are going to be the type that Deborah Carr can move the chains with. Bryant, Cooper, yes. But if Cooper Bryant is suspended, everybody's going to pay attention to Cooper. It's going to be the same thing like last year. And then also you got to look at your coach over there. I mean, the last time yeah. Chucky was on the, the sidelines, I think the, the Betamax was still vogue. Well, and look at all the coaches that uh, you know, Malarkey and some of these coaches that kind of hung on to older systems, uh, Fox, they're all out, and the new sort of age coach is in. How is Gruden going to do this? Well, he brought in a lot of 30-plus guys over there, and that concerns yep. me because if you're going to build a franchise, you don't bring in all of these veterans. You bring in yep. guys that are going to grow with you. You know, he's got a 10-year contract, so either way he looks at it, he's going home with $100 million. Yeah. But what I'm looking at over here, the biggest issue for Oakland right now is if they start Colton Miller at left tackle over Donald Penn, Derek Carr might as well go find a duck man and get take out insurance with Affleck. <laughs> Dave T, one last one for you. Miami, uh, second most vacated targets, so 290 were left. Now, Parker, is he going to step up and live up to all the hype we saw in college? What do you think about Parker? When the season ends and Danny Amendola has the highest amount, a best production of any year wide receivers, you're not going to the playoffs. That's all I'm going to say on Miami. That's how bad their receiving unit is. So you don't think Devontae Parker can uh, step up? No, I, I look at him and I see the situation. You know, he goes through the motions. Kenny Stills was traded uh, to them because New Orleans found them wanting. Uh, third round draft pick from six, 2016, Leonte Carew really hasn't done anything yet. They got a curious speed merchant that they picked up in the seventh round last year in Isaiah Ford, but he's a pretty fragile guy in his own right. I I think, you know, if I'm Miami right now, I'm scouring the waiver wires as we're getting close to training camp ending. Dave T, our, our hour has wrapped up. Uh, I, I just want to crack uh, open a we, beer. And, we didn't get to talk about uh, one of my favorite little situations over there. Poor Tom Brady. What What's going on with uh, poor Tom Brady? Well, when you got Cordell Patterson as your starting split in, I think he's got troubles. <laughs> you don't uh, You don't think they can do it with the Wild Bill? They got some exciting young players in, in the, Ed, the running Edelman's, back. 
Edelman's gone for four weeks. It's going to take Decker all of training camp to get into gear. Phil Dorsett has proven that he's nothing much, which now opens up the slot receiver spot for Braxton Berrier. Kenny Britt, I don't know how the hell he's staying in the league that long. <laughs> it's so bad for them over there that they moved Matthew Slater over to the number two spot at split end behind Patterson. Patterson, yep. to me, is uh, the NFL's Fruit Loops. I've never seen a guy crazier off the field than that dude himself. And I'm talking about weird crazy. Adam's family crazy. Chris mm-hmm. Hogan really has to come through. And, you know, Malcolm Mitchell, as much as he looks good when he's on the football field, they can't get him on the football field. End of the year, you think who's going to have better numbers? Julian Edelman minus the four games or Decker? Decker. Well, Decker is going to be so close to Tom Brady that Giselle's going to be feeding him breakfast in the morning. Well, Deck just was it two years ago? He had 10 games, 10 touchdowns or something. He was basically scoring a touchdown every game. I mean, he was money. And in imagine, when, well, imagine when Decker and Brady go out with their wives together, man. That, that's going to be uh, a GQ moment. <laughs> yes. I'd like to tag along for that night. Yeah, well, you know, you don't want to stare too much. Eric Decker is a big dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Good advice from Dave T. Dave T, as I said, more uh, scouting for over 50 years, publisher of the NFL Draft Report. Check out the Scouts Honor podcast with Paul Crane. Dave T, can I get you? I know you're starting your busy time of the year, what with colleges getting going, but can, we, can I get you back to talk some quarterbacks briefly, maybe some tight ends down the line? Sure. And also, before I go after the air, how can I forget about the super, super, super sleeper up at the Buffalo Bills with Zay Jones having his issues, Kelvin Benjamin with his knees. Watch a kid that just blew apart records in the ACC. If it wasn't for him tearing his groin before the bowl game, he probably would have been a third-round draft pick. They picked him up as a free agent, Cam Phillips. Keep an eye on this guy as you get close to the waivers. I think by the third or fourth week of the season, if Benjamin goes down, Zay Jones just starting to come back over here, you might see Cam getting quite a few touches, and he's also going to be handling return duties for him. That puts Kalen Clay in a precarious situation. I think Prol and Phillips, uh, two guys that are not really recognized, could be stars for the Buffalo Bills this season. All right, so to recap some of your sleepers, as you said, Buffalo, Prol, and Phillips. Uh, to move over to the Colts, you got Fountain. Falcons, you like Russell Cage. Let's see. I love Braxton Berrius. I think Braxton Berrius with that situation. Baltimore, Jordan Lastly, I think if he could hold on to the football, he's going to turn into an instant fan favorite. He's got room to do it on the Ravens. Like I said, the most targets vacated and not exactly a settled top three there in uh, Baltimore. And if you could keep Antonio Callaway in a work release program and not let him outside at night, you're probably going to have a quality receiver there. Well, and then once again, we got your Sleeper Central, uh, Lasley, Braxton Berrios, uh, Russell Cage, you even named. Deion Kane uh, over with uh, Indianapolis, because you do have to look at the T.Y. Hilton situation. So you got Fountain and Kane that's probably going to end up winning jobs over there. And Cam Phillips and Proles. So if those are your sleepers, your top wide receivers. So I got you down for Ridley, Sutton, Miller, Callaway? Yeah. yeah. All right. I look at what they could do out there on the football field. Like I say, year two, Ridley will probably be a star. I think we're getting to the point right now where we're seeing Julio Jones, the injuries are catching up with him. 
But one guy that I tell you right now, if you had to take any rookie this year before the mid-rounds, it's got to be Anthony Miller. Okay. All right. Some good goo for your fantasy teams this year, ladies and gentlemen. Dave T. Thomas. Dave, as always, I I thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Hey, anytime, man. It's your quarter. All right, baby. We will be back with Dave T. I know he's going to be busy. He's going to be on the road doing his thing, scouting colleges, but that's why we love to talk to him. We're going to try to get him back for quarterback talk and maybe even a tight end talk, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, Episode 65. I am Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter, just as it sounds, Pyromaniac Mo. And until the next time, we'll be hitting the airwaves soon. You will hear me there. Peace. Well, old Daniel saw that storm. That was you. You down the mountain. Of Daniel saw the storm that came up. Rolled in the Babylon. And Daniel saw the storm. That was you. You down the mountain. Coming down to redeem us. Thank you.